the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 63, recorded Friday, October 26th, 2012. Green Kool-Aid. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Green Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Thank you so very much for joining us. This week, we have probably the largest gathering of AV, AV professionals that I've ever had on this show, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, first up, we have Chris Netto. He is the consultant, or a consultant, with AV Help Desk. How are you, sir? Doing well. Uh, next up to him is Harry Mead. He is my favorite CTSD. He's also an implementation engineer with Ultra Electronics Criticon. How are you, sir? Easy for you to say. Yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, Aaron Wilson, he is uh, the AV Ninja, as it were. How are you, Aaron? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Uh, with us from AMX is the Vice President of Project Management. His name is Sean Robinson. Welcome, Sean. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. And last but not least, Nathan Lively, the pro audio podcaster from Sound Design Live. How are you, Nathan? Hi, Tim. Hi, everybody. Uh, you should actually, uh, Nathan and I hooked up on, on Twitter and, and checked out uh, his, his podcast. It's very, very good. He talks a lot about uh, different live sound and stuff like that, so check it out. Uh, Whoa, thanks. It's going to blow up now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The, got, the, got the bump. The the three people. <laughs> that the AV Nation it. bump. I'm yeah, going to to a new server. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Um, all right. So this week we're going to talk about Infocom 100 because uh, it was just a couple weeks ago, and, and uh, there's some things that came out of that. Uh, John Siaka reminds us that women are from Venus and guys like tech and electronics stuff. Uh, and also uh, Elite Screens showed off something that I've got some questions about, and I'm hoping that you guys are smart enough to answer because... I'm not quite sure what an acoustically transparent screen is, but that's what they have. Uh, but first, uh, this week, the world of bloggers and technology journalists and just the media in general was all a flutter because Apple had an event. And whenever the Apple has an event, well, the world stops spinning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it just, you know, let's be honest, it does. Um, I mean, I, I, we, we've got, we use some Apple products here. I mean, if I had a, to take a guess, I would say probably 50-50, maybe 60-40 on the panel here, have iPhones or have some sort of iDevice. So their event was the worst kept secret because everybody in the world was saying, oh, they're coming out with an iPad mini, they're coming out with an iPad mini. Chris, guess what? They came out with an iPad mini. <laughs> um Really? So, yeah. So is this thing going to be a big deal? Is this, I mean, uh, I, I heard um, one person say, you know, it's it's the, what was it, the iPod medium or the iPad medium. Um, is this going to have a huge impact on, on us in the AV world? Kind of like, I mean, the, the let's be honest, the, the iPad has, uh, the iOS system has with, with AirPlay and stuff. Is this just one more device that is the iOS ecosystem or is this form factor really going to have an impact on us? I don't think it's going to have the impact that all the Apple cult guys are out there running around screaming at this point. I mean, it's a seven-inch tablet. 
has the iPod Touch been an impact for us? I mean, essentially, it's the same thing, except it it, it grew a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's it's just another device, just another wow, wow, you know, hey, it's Apple. And, you know, the only time that those people stopped, uh, you know, tweeting was when they were clapping furiously for their, their golf clap. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, the iPad is the iPad. Um, it needs, you know, it, it's obviously the, the king of everything that's tablet, I guess, in a lot of people's world. And not mine, but, you know, it's it's a good product. But the 7-inch doesn't make me want to just run out and, and go pick that up. Just out of curiosity. But, go ahead. I was going to say, it definitely doesn't want me to run out and get it seeing how it's uh, XGA, which uh, Tim Cook uh, skipped right over pretty quick. So the uh, the 1024 by 768 resolution is not very impressive for a brand new device. Mm-hmm. Just just wait just wait five months and I'll give you a retina on that and then make you feel really bad for going oh, out yeah, being an yeah. early adopter. <laughs> yeah, and dropping a lot of money for the size of the, you know, for 7-inch for panel. It's not uh, that to- much money. It's only 350 yeah, but we're not talking Starting. about three. Start, yeah. yeah, it starts at three fifty. <laughs> so it's one hundred fifty bucks less. Yeah, but it's three fifty <laughs> in relative to what other seven inch touch panels are out there are two hundred, two fifty. I mean, this is they keep going back to comparing comparing that to the Google uh, tablet, that's at two fifty. I mean, I mean, unless you're a hardcore Apple, you're going to pay that extra one hundred fifty bucks for a mini version. Uh, you I, know, I think the price point they're going after probably because i was confused about that too i was thinking you know um more of like a kindle killer type of deal but with that price point no way however it does match up pretty well against the samsung tab pricing on their seven and maybe that's who they're going for well they've been picking a fight with samsung for a couple months now if not a year or more so why not so i actually honestly heard less about this release and this event of apples than i've ever heard of any other apple event in fact i actually until i saw the article in the show prep i didn't know actually what all they had actually announced because i never saw anything past oh it's going to be it's going to be ipad mini it's going to be ipad mini oh it's going to be ipad mini ah! <laughs> and and then now i see it's oh it's an ipad mini yeah can, can I tell you, this, this is a total side note. The, actually, the most impressive thing to me was the new iMacs. Uh, yeah. Those are slick. Oh, oh my gosh. Come on. They're, they're, just, they're just thin on the edges. There's, oh, they, still got, they still take up the same exact space on your desk. Yes, so. but it's thinner. <laughs> well, you know, the beauty shot. But it's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's, it's just the edge. I and you, yeah. you like how they positioned it just right. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting for him to do the side shot. And then it quickly went past the the exact side shot to like a back shot. So it's like, it, it, I don't know. Oh, it's this, smoke and mirrors, but it's it's yeah. it's, it's darn sexy. It's pretty. It is. Yeah. It's it pretty. Is. I was right. gonna say it's pretty. All of Apple stuff is pretty. Even their hey, adapters Jim. are pretty. Yes. Hey, I think the important question for me is, what is the power and video connection on the new on the iPad Mini? Is it just like an iPad? And if so. I don't really need to worry about it because I'm already set up to be able to connect things to iPads, right? Yeah. Well, except it's a lightning connector. Oh. So, mm-hmm. But it, but it's the same as the as the new iPad, the new full size iPad lightning connector. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's talk about that for a second. Are we getting beyond the, the point? And I I made reference to a Samsung commercial that says you know they they make the best or the cutest connectors or the cutest adapters. 
Um, are we getting to the point, especially with Apple products, where the connector is a moot point? It's an afterthought because they have they're, they're, they're putting a lot of their eggs in the basket of AirPlay, both with every iOS device that you have, and now with with um, with their new OS, you can put anything that you want in theory um, up on another display over the network. So is, is the fact that it's lightning or thunderbolt or, or whatever doesn't matter anymore. We're going to bring this right back to an AV conversation, aren't we? Tim? Yeah, trying to. <laughs> this is where this where, where you're going to have this issue is with the hardwire connections and in what I have to deal with on a daily basis on a corporate environment is those things aren't that easy to connect to when people are bringing them home from home. At home, your network, your system, that's one thing. You try putting that on a corporate network and going room to room and the, the various devices that are in there trying to connect to it, it becomes a headache. So we refer, we revert back to the connector itself. You know, we, you know, as AV guys, we will definitely go for the hardwire connection first as a secure connection. That's definitely going to, that's definitely going to connect, but Okay, so let, oh, well. let me ask you this: We're, We uh, here at AV Nation, we we moved into some some new studios, you know, getting out of my basement, which is always nice. And I'm getting ready for the show today, and I'm, I'm I've got my iPad here, we got used to to look at stories. And somebody on the network here in the building somewhere has an Apple TV. Is that what you're talking about, Chris? Where it's not secure? Because I, I I can see it on my iPad. It it get, now gives me suddenly gives me the option. Where I can, if I wanted to, spit out you know all my delicious links um, to, to you, this person's random Apple TV. You could if he allowed you to. But it's okay. sitting there. I mean, I, I don't have. I mean, is that what you're talking about though? That security that that you don't have that that lockdown. Correct. And who's going to take ownership? You know, who's going to who's going to take control in a in a conference room setting where there's ten iPods, you know, and there's one Apple TV in the room right next to you? It gets a little confusing if that was the case i think it people that are inside the corporate environments would have been all about letting these things out because they don't want to see the wires no unfortunately it's it's not an easy solution because it's looking for your your ipad on their network and they get all confused when it's too many in one space and you don't want to add more more work for the the guys that are trying to support these rooms Oh, why um, not? In, in our particular uh, playground of secure government, there is no wireless. No. No. <laughs> so, not cloud happen. and wireless connection and all the it's a moot point. It doesn't exist. So, there's a whole swath that has nothing to do with any of that, so we've got to use any hardwire connectors that they've got. So you are worried about the connector then, Harry, and, and anybody that, that wor- that's worried about security is worried about it. Yeah. Um, they, uh, <clears throat> there's, it's just, with all this bring-your-own-device stuff, it, they haven't worked out completely how they're going to do all the, all the secure for everything, so it's, it's still wild, wild west on a lot of that. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's get out of the uh, out of Silicon Valley for a second here and go to Washington because you know I love the FCC, and they're my friend because you know, it's the FCC. Uh, this comes to us from the Verge: the FCC will allow the encryption of basic cable. Dun dun dun. 
Uh, here, here's my issue with this, guys, and, and we'll we'll start kicking around the horn. Um, a couple of different things, and I understand why they're doing it. Um, you know, you've got issues with content protection and this, that, and the other, and and I understand all that, and I I would never want to say that people who create content don't have a right to control their content and be be compensated for it. For crying out loud, we make content here, right? Um, however. <laughs> Uh, I grew up with the, you know, with the ability to go into, you know, hook up, you know, in my room when I was a kid, there was a simple coax, you plugged it in the back of your, of your TV on your F connector, and suddenly you had channels one through a hundred, right? Um, and the fact that the FCC is, is saying, you know what, they, we don't like that anymore. Um, you, you're going to have to have some sort of box. You're going to have to have some sort of device that de-encrypts that and verifies that you're connected to an actual um, honest to goodness device. You're not stealing the content. Um, Harry, is this a huge deal or am I just being, you know, a little nostalgic for nostalgic's sake? I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly haven't thought about it a lot, but it just, it, it makes it more of a pain in the butt for, uh, for all the, for end users, because now it, Say you wanted to have your cable set up down downstairs in the big room. You've got HBO and all that other happiness. But you could always plug in a TV upstairs that just had your broadcast channels on your basic setup. And you could just have them. And you could just do that. And it basic cable, I'm making air quotes, is... <laughs> has become so little it's not much more than the uh, than the broadcast channels plus a few other of the the universally accepted free basic channels um i don't know it seems like overkill and it seems like just another way for them to grab more money for more boxes but I'm just it, cynical like that. Yeah, I, I would I would say it's overkill because if they're worried about people stealing cable, that other magical line that runs next to the cable and that's called power. So if, <laughs> well, yeah. if, if, if the cable company can't back pull the cable or cut the cord at the pole and they're having people climbing the pole with that, I don't see why we got to implement encryption to, to solve for that. Um, people can steal power. It's the same. It's on the same pole. Um and, and some would say it's more expensive than cable. So, but I would say it's cause it's, it'll cause a huge issue if the cable companies decide to drop analog, and and all digital is encrypted, and you got to have a cable box because I have a slew of TVs in my building um, that all show various analog cable. We pay the cable company when they actually send us a bill, but we pay them for you know we have ten we have ten TVs. We're paying you a, a negotiated rate for ten TVs, and I just run my one cable to them, and they use the internal tuner. So if all of a sudden I have to install cable boxes and some of which these tvs are pretty small like in the fitness centers mm -hmm. they you know they have small little 14 inch tvs 15 inch tvs we're gonna put a big honking cable box at yeah yeah that's that's a i'm thinking the same way you have the small tv in a kitchen area or something like that you know the only choice i have in my cable area is a big cable box my company that i that i that I, uh, I guess, subscribe to does not have the small, you know, Roku size box or Apple TV size box that I could stick to the back of the, of the TV even to encrypt that. So I hate when people are telling me 
you know, this is what's going to happen. But yet they don't even have a solution that is comfortable for people to 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 install. You know, but that's just me. Worry about people's comfort. That's the thing. Is is they're not, (laughs) Sean? I'm going to bring you in on this because here's the thing. You guys, just like a couple of of your compatriots, have dealt with content protection the last few years, and when you guys started moving into digital. Yes. This, this is the way I see that. This is this is the content protection is really what I see this as more than. Yes, I, I can I, I can definitely you know appreciate the cynical you know they're trying to sell more boxes here, but I think this is more the government saying we're more worried about the content people and their their content protection, and HDMI and all that jazz and making sure that everything's clear all the way down. Um, it, it, am I right in that where it's it's probably more about the content protection than it is anything else? I'm not sure if it was really the uh, the government that's as concerned as the lobbyists to the government. Oh, from same the, difference. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bingo. But it's just Hollywood. Just to make sure we're correct on you know who's. But uh, yeah, with uh, with HDCP, of course, it's it's Hollywood, right? It's MPAA. Uh, with this, it's it's cable providers, and yeah, there's probably a subset of people out there that are taking advantage, and they want to try to extract as much revenue from the world as they possibly can. So, um, and all the rest, um, yeah, having to put in these additional boxes, uh, especially in uh, uh, tight constraint areas, right, is going to be a real pain in the butt to do. Um, what I was happy to see when I was reading through the article, though, is that they're open to licensing uh, the encryption into uh, boxes such as Box E, because this is just another great reason to cut the cord yes. and go all IP. And so that they're willing to do that and license it, um, that's fantastic, because now you can have different methods of distribution where you're not having to deal with their box, which is not going to be an optimal solution coming from a cable company, as you guys all know. Well, and that was actually the, the Boxy story is something we covered a couple of weeks ago, because you're, you're right, because... When they're able to do that, then guys like that and, and the Roku and the and the the Xboxes of the world can start doing, you know, not only cable you know uh, systems or cable channels, but also all the other wonderful you know online videos that we can we can get. So, right, and FCC made it clear that the reason they're doing that is they're wanting people to move over to IP delivery. Mm-hmm. It's just much more efficient. So, which we think is great. Yeah, absolutely. But- but do we have the infrastructure to deliver that much <laughs> IP to everybody? Oh, I mean, sure. We got oh, dark sure. fiber everywhere. Yes, dark fiber. <laughs> okay. All right. But don't get it next to the light fiber or else bad things happen. No, don't cross it. Don't cross it with <laughs> the Don't cross the streams. And don't cross yeah, the streams. Don't go into the light. All right. You know what? Uh, on at, least, that, at least don't look at it. On that note, um, <laughs> AMC and Dish made up. Does anybody care? Again, another reason to cut the cord. Yeah. And, and, oh, by the way, this is my personal opinion, not that of AMX. I need to make that clear. No, but I, I'm a I, big I, fan of the cord cutting. I appreciate that, and I also appreciate the sentiment, because I'm with you, dude. I mean, if oh. – and, and here's the thing. Okay, so so my wife is a, is a big baseball fan, and, and we just watched the uh, Cardinals collapse into – you know, and, and get into a field position. Um, by the way, can, congratulations, by the way, to our buddies Rich Fergosa and Johnny Moda on the San Francisco Giants. Uh, you know, dominating, and then are you saying yay too? Yay! Oh, jeez! You're getting sympathy from me because it's my Rangers. They were well. Well, that yeah. was last year. Um, that was last year. Yeah, so, I'm still feeling it. But the, go Tigers! Go Tigers! Yeah. <laughs> All right. Tigers. Um, so that's the only reason that and football, which I'm a big Bears fan. I, that's the only reason why I still have cable. Seriously, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. everything else that I watch, I can do online. 
Uh, and if they ever figure out a way to do either um, consistently live um, over the network, I would do it in a heartbeat. Uh, baseball's already there. Football's not so much, but baseball is there with, with their package. Yeah. Well, and, and Xbox offers a great, you know, the, the ESPN. That works spectacular. It's just too bad that they don't show more of the sports. Yeah. Hey, Tim? Yes. The whole reason that this thing was settled, the underlying reason with the whole AMC direct TV thing, yes. nine point something million viewers, the premiere of the one show that you don't watch. The, uh, so, the, 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 the zombie thingy. Yes, the zombie thingy that will, will remain nameless. No, don't name it. It's The Walking Dead. I don't watch it. I mean, I, I like I told Chris, I, I've got two kids and I'm in grad school. What do you want? Uh, DVR. <laughs> that's for that's for Doctor Who. So okay. <laughs> say, but that, 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 that would be that would be why I hacked my DVR and put a terabyte drive in it. But that's another story. There you go. But that is the that there is the underlying reason for settlement. They. The people complained. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right now in an area where Channel 11, which, uh, which is the CW network, mm -hmm. is completely off in, in Jersey, or at least with my cable provider. And I've been watching nothing but preview channels that they give you on that. So for, I guess, over a month or since the start of the football season, I've had the NFL network, which is great. I, I'm a football guy, so I get to watch that. I don't miss CW 11, and they're still battling that out over here whatever it is cable vision so you know, see, but so, you guys have made a good point this is one more reason to cut the cable because um it was two or three weeks ago um our nbc affiliate affiliate here had a, a, a fight with dish network and I, for some reason it always seems like it's dish, it's dish network that's in this um and, it, and they did yeah, the same I, thing go ahead uh, we, we we have uh direct tv and their things normally go on like a week. Yeah. If if something if 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 they're having a spat with somebody, it's like a week before whoever it is knuckles under normally. But uh, yeah, so it was it was amusing that this has apparently been going all summer. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Wow, the, the entire Mad Men season, right? Yep. Yeah, Miss Miss Mad Men and, and Breaking Bad, according to the thing. Yep. It's funny so. that they uh, that they end up settling right before the chairman had to take the stand uh, because there's accusations possibly of uh, some document shredding. Um, when I was reading the article, that's one way to do it: ask the chairman to get up on the stand and oh well, you know what? We'll go ahead and settle uh, this weekend right before that happens. <laughs> yeah, right. Hmm. Oh, hey, I have a thing. <laughs> I have a thing I have to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! All right, you're listening to AB Wick with with a bunch of really cool uh, smart guys, much smarter than me. Uh, Kristen O, Harry Mead. Aaron Wilson, Sean Robinson, and Nathan Lively. A um, couple, eh, couple days ago, th this thing came out, and it reminds me of uh, of the X10. Um, it's D-Link, and they've come out with broadband over power line adapters. Uh, it extends your 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 home network over the power lines. Um, I I don't know where to start with this. It, it sounds interesting but it also sounds an awful lot like a control system that we used to run on power lines as well um aaron i still have that you still don't, have, i'm don't sorry i am not knocking it exactly <laughs> hey it was on an episode of of a big bang theory so it can't be all bad right um aaron is this a good idea is this is this is flat out is this just a good idea 
I, I personally have never been a real fan of these devices where you can you can do broadband on on the power lines, whether it be internal in your house or, or the external power lines. Um, I guess with the way technology is progressing and, and we're running Cat5 and Cat6 everywhere, I, I'm kind of asking why, because if I'm pulling Cat6 to a certain destination, uh, if, whether it be to deliver my uh, my video or, or my telephone line or just to get network there, it's like, why do I need to use the power lines? And we're pulling Cat5 and Cat6 everywhere. Why not just pull it there? So I guess you could see it for maybe the less expensive route, but I just, I don't know. Broadband with the power line, I tend to leave the, the the voltage. I want to put the the 120 volts in on its own little area. I don't want to put anything else on it. So I don't know. All right, Sean, does he does he have a point? I'm pulling K. Yeah. I'm pulling Cat five and Cat six probably more places than I'm pulling 120. Right. Definitely, but for retrofit situations, you know, sometimes people aren't willing to pull cables down walls, and it's a lot easier to plug something in. You know, these things have been around for quite a while, and I do, I have to admit, too, I have a few, just maybe three X10 switches left. No. Um, yeah, I know, just three. I'm almost done with them, but, uh, uh, and they work about 80% of the time, uh, but older house. But, you know, I think another thing here that's, that's this, this technology has never really taken off um, significantly is due to the um, the um, enhancements that you've seen in the wireless space, right? So 802.11n and things like that. Even in retrofit situations, it's so much easier to hang the access point, right? And then you get coverage across your entire house. And now the bandwidth is fantastic. So I, I've, I've had some experience with these power line ones, and they just seem a little bit flaky. This one might be really, really good, but with as easy as it is, to, again, to put an access point up that's really reliable, I just don't know if it's really going to catch on. All right, Harry, you're the one with the X10 here. <laughs> um, are you gonna Are you gonna marry these two products together and and you know uh, <laughs> convince Don it's a good idea? Oh hell no! I'm trying to get rid of my X10. <laughs> well, there you go. Same here. What are you powering with an X10 there? Uh, what are you controlling with it, Harry? Uh, outdoor lights. I, I actually have them running on. Uh, um. Running to an RS-232 interface, which goes to my AMX system that there I have. Go. So, hey when, hey, when it doesn't work, it's X-10's fault. Absolutely. <laughs> just wanted to point that out. Oh, that would be pull- Sean Robinson, James the pull- vice president of project management at AMX. But go ahead, Eric. <laughs> shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> I was going to say, I have so much old AMX in my house right now, it's not even funny. Anyway, um... When when you're in the house, I mean, you might as well just use wireless and be done. Because I mean, the, the, even the the new round of wireless is going to be just as good as what we've got wired right now. So there's really within the house, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of point to it. What I could see the technology getting used for is for wide scale broadband for like a town. Or something like that. Mm. Somebody running internet over the the main lines, and having just receivers, for lack of a better term, at each house. And, and they holy they cow, Harry. They, they they have tried that, and but they had a lot of problems with it interfering with the ham uh, radio operators. I don't know if they oh, resolved cares? those. They're, they're old. Yeah. Who cares? Well, <laughs> you, you you'll be surprised because my father-in-law is. Uh, Certified through the uh, emergency agency, and and when you lose all your cell towers, and who are you gonna go run it to? You're gonna go to the ham radio operator. So, Aaron, I don't I have want, his telephone I, number. I, Aaron, I don't, I don't want to make a point. But how old is your father-in-law? 
Uh, he's close to retirement, so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I may need his number if we get hit with the storm in Jersey, so. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll send him a smoke signal. Oh, jeez. And don't forget, the end of the world is here in December 2012. So. It is. It That's is. right. Actually, what so are the what are the? I'm raising courier pigeons right now to send out, <laughs> send out my messages. Send out a white one because winter is coming. Um, <laughs> so, uh, one of one of my one of my podcasting heroes is is Leo Laporte, and he actually has a ham radio hmm. show uh, with a guy here in St. Louis, uh, uh, Bob Heil. So, I I joke, be- I kid because I love the few, the proud. The view of the proud. And you're right. When the end of the world comes, there won't be anything left but ham radio operators. So. That's right. And, and cockroaches. And cockroaches. And cockroaches. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, um, something that sounds really cool to me, but something I'll probably never go to is Infocom MEA because it's in Dubai. <laughs> and it's that's freaking cool, right? Um, it's an Infocom show. It's, it's, in, it's an Infocom show in Dubai. So it's like, you know, Vegas on steroids. Um, and with like really expensive stuff and man-made islands. So, oh, no alcohol and what? None that you can see. I'm out. Um, and so anyhow, <laughs> back to the actual story. Uh, this comes to us from Installation International. It's a it's an interesting idea, but I wanted to, to get some really smart guys on this because I need to wrap my brain around this. Elite Screens, a a projector screen manufacturer, came out with something and was showing something called acoustically transparent screens. Now, uh, on the face of it, I think I know what that means. And after looking at what they're talking about, I I think I know what it means. Um, Harry, we'll start with you because you're my favorite CTSD. Uh, What does that mean? Um, short version is you can have speakers behind it and they, it is transparent. The sound is transparent to the sound that's coming through them. That's what you do in a uh, movie theater. All this, all the front speakers are behind the screen. That's what I thought. (laughs) So, okay. So it it is, so that's kind of cool though, right? Or no? Uh, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I, I don't know. It just, it doesn't. Do much. I, I have never, outside of a movie theater, had to deal with anything needing to be an acoustically transparent screen. So, it's not something that I would normally deal with. Deal with. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Uh, it's 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 a little bit more common in in the resi environment, but yeah, in, in a corporate or enterprise or education market, it's it's not very common. Although I would, with, with education, I could see because the, the the picture that they have on on the website is a guy up at a board, you know, um, well up at the up at the screen in, in a conference room environment. So, all right, so it's it's acoustically transparent. <laughs> it was what I thought it was. All right, uh, moving on to Infocom 100, the smart building wave. This is from Commercial Integrator magazine. Um, Harry, your your wife uh, went to Infocom 100. Um, Aaron, I think you said some of your guys' went as well. Uh, so let's talk about this whole smart building thing. And we'll start with Sean, because, Sean, you, you're you our token uh, control guy today. Mm-hmm. Um, is this is, – is the whole smart building thing – and if you don't know, here's, here's the nutshell version. Um, everything in a building all – 
kind of talking together, and, and that's the smart building. Uh, that includes HVAC and security and the AV system and everything all, ty- all tied together. Is this, is this more about us as an AV industry trying to insert ourselves into other industries and, and play nice? Or is it us as the AV industry trying to get everybody to play nice together? Or is it neither? I think it's, I, I think, I think it's we definitely see a need. And because of what we do in, um, in the construction process and then when we're bringing systems together, we are the uh, industry that is bringing, the, the, I guess, the most disparate systems together. And so we have a skill set in being able to do that. And then there's, there's, there's customers, real customers, wanting to have this capability. Um, where we've seen the challenge, and I've seen a big uptick. Uh, we've been doing this for a very long time. And I remember when we had a, a big Infocom uh, splash around it with our RMS um, system, tying things together back in 2009. A lot of people came to the show, and they thought it was really interesting and really cool, but then we just didn't get much dialogue after that. But I can tell you, though, within the last year, there's been a lot of activity at the, uh, at the AV consultant level and, and customer level and what it required, the challenge is, and, and you guys have talked about this before on this cast, um, the challenge is uh, getting people together and getting other groups working together. And, and, and not only at the, um, at the design level, but at the, at the customer level. So where we've seen the biggest struggles is where somebody in a specific area, whether it be AV or facilities or IT, wants to do it, but then the other groups don't. And you really have to have a, a, a customer that is over like a CIO or something like that, that is over all three of those groups that says, we're going to make this happen. And that customer commits and then it happens. Other than that, it makes it very difficult to get those groups to work together and almost hostile. And in, in some, in some, in some of the instances we've been in watching facilities and AV and IT go after it, go at each other's is, uh, that's usually how it happens. But, but we're starting to see a lot more people talking about, we've actually had some really cool installations recently at a university um, where we've tied in a Tritium's Niagara system, but it was all because there was somebody up above those groups saying, "You will work together to make this happen." Who who do you think typically is, is the are the ones driving that? Is it the customer, the end user, or is it some really knowledgeable consultant along the way saying, "Mr. Customer, you've got all these systems. You need to have this." It, it's it's a bit of both. Sometimes, and usually, they're sold on the concept by a consultant. And then, and then, and, and the consultant helps sell the idea, and, and they've been the ones who've been really, really passionate about it. Um, and so they'll usually, from what we've seen, sell the customer on it, and then it's the customer who has to drive it through his organization to make sure everybody works together and, and it all happens. In, in a perfect world, who would you rather do do it? Would, would would you rather it be the consultant, or would you rather it be maybe everybody? Like, no, I shouldn't say everybody, but maybe be you know um, the consultant or or maybe even the manufacturers or the, the electrical or the IT guys? Um, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see customers pulling this through because I think we would really see an expansion in it if, the, if a lot more um, customers were exposed to this type of capability and they pulled it through. That's always, that always generates the most business for everybody. Um, but uh, and, and I think that's what the Smart Building Task Force is all about, is trying to you know, evangelize this and, uh, and with the AV integrator community also, because the more we're talking about it, and then of course from a manufacturer's side, our responsibility is to deliver more of a complete solution, and you're starting to see that from not only uh, our company but others in the space too, so where it is bringing together some more of these systems, making it easier for people to, uh, to integrate these in as solutions. 
Chris, how do you do that <laughs> as as somebody who's probably you and Aaron are, are probably the closest ones to end users? Um, how do you get your organization to say, you know what, guys, um, our next building or our next rehab or our next, you know, our next renovation, we need to do this. How do you get everybody on the same page? It is um, it, it's not easy, but if I put my consultant hat on and I am working with the customer, the customer is the one that's going to want to be able to do this. And as, you know, as commercial AV people here, I'm going to have to pull it to the resi side. If they can do it at home, they want to see it in the office. At home, they can control their nest through their iPads and through all that. So a lot of these executives and a lot of people in power have the capability to do it at home, and they can't fathom why they can't do it in the office. So in that case, we have that working for us. So to deliver that complete solution in a complicated office setup, you do need to, you know, you, you do need the customer buy-in. I think it's the customer that will push it. I mean, I deal every day uh, with, obviously, I, I'm on site with a customer, so I have the customer uh, asking me for things, and I have to go talk to facilities a lot of time, and then there's IT. Getting a seat at the table, and we've had this conversation before, Tim, with uh, with Kevin Iacelli. It's, you know, the fact that we can even say that we're sitting at the same table with the same decision makers that are were never invited to these meetings. Now we're starting to get these calls in because there is nobody who speaks the languages that we speak and can understand them. Mm-hmm. You know, so to be able to talk to an HVAC guy, to an IT guy, and connect your displays that are in the conference rooms and make it all work, you know, regardless of what, what control system you're using in a conference room, for example, the ability to walk in and hit a button and change your temperature in that room and allow for your lighting systems to be controlled and everything to be working on one system and then having a main system that controls it all, that there's there's definitely a beauty in, a, in the simplicity of that. But it's hard, man. It's It's hard to get everybody on the same page because it depends on, you know, there's so many different factors that come into it and it even depends on what region of the country and what politics you're dealing with, you know. So it's, it's, it's a tough answer, but I agree it is becoming a hot topic and more and more you're starting to see a lot more uh, uh, conversations about complete system integration and when we or complete building integration as opposed to, you know, my HVAC system, my lighting, et cetera. Tim? Yes. This, uh, this was actually a, let's call it a topic of intense discussion between <laughs> AV Dawn and I <laughs> after, <laughs> after Infocom 100. <laughs> Have because, you talked since? Yeah, have you talked since? Have you made up? Have you bought flowers, candy? <laughs> yes, we have talked since. Everything oh, is fine. But uh, um, yeah, because I mean, she came back on a sugar high from the Kool Aid at the Infocom <laughs> 100, <laughs> and I'm like, I just sat there and said. Okay, that's that's cool. Well, I have a couple of concerns. First, it took us 10 years to get on people's networks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just to get on the network. Yeah. <laughs> now we want to get on the HVAC network. Now we want to get on the building control network. Now we want to get on security's network. And 
it just it seemed very daunting in that regard. Also, excuse me the the cost associated, um, the upfront cost, because we've talked about what Chris was just saying. We've talked about for years. I've been selling AV systems since the nineties where we talked about yeah we want you want to come in and push a button and the lights set up and the uh and and the temperature is set to what you want and 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 all this stuff and when you got down to it it for to go an extreme example it turned into an extron push button thing on the wall wow <laughs> because they didn't want to pay for it mhm so it's it, it there's going to be some pushback I think in getting over the initial budgetary issues to get these smart buildings together. I agree we can do it and we are the best as an industry we are the best equipped to get this done. It's just convincing everybody and I don't think it even needs to convince everybody else that we are the best to get it done. It's convincing the people with the money to let us do it. <laughs> well, you knocked me off my sugar high, man. Jeez. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. It was Thanks, Mary. Hours, I guess we'll man. close up shop now. <laughs> <laughs> it was two hours, Harry. man. Harry, Harry. <laughs> Don't go to Harry with an idea here. Harry Mead just closed the doors of AMX. Wow. No, but that's a good point. In fact, uh, I was looking through the notes that Mike Carter brought back from the um, from the uh, session, and you know they, they're kind of stock value because it is very difficult um, because of all the parameters involved to show an ROI. But that makes it the selling process a little bit more difficult too. So, so you know, it, it's up to it's up to us as manufacturers to come up with more efficient ways to uh, to deliver that uh, solution that they're looking for. This is just a complete all-around number sale. It's it's not. You have to get past the numbers, and you got to show the metrics. You got to show the value metrics that come associated with it. Yes, it is hard, but you know what? When you have everything working together, I'm sure that you guys and uh, all the other competitors that are out there in this space can show the value of one system running at all. But then there's always the doomsayers that are like, you know, is there any redundancy in this? What happens if one thing goes, you know, and then people start thinking, uh, what is it, uh, Skynet and Terminator and all that <laughs> sort of jazz. Yeah, like you're building an Android system that wow. gets a virus. Between, yeah. between Harry and Chris, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> it's the but, end I mean, of the step, world. Do we deal in reality one. here? Yes, step one, you know, is getting visibility, right? Um, and yeah. tying it all together. And that's and I know that, that was another big topic there is the dashboards and, and all the information and then the analytics. But uh, there you know, there are tools uh, now available um, for all those systems to be able to pull all that data together and then you really don't get to figure out what kind of savings you're gonna have until you measure it and then you can begin managing it. But just getting that visibility is huge. Okay, so I'm gonna join the the, the snarky, you know. Uh, doomsayers here. This, the, uh, you guys are not AMX, Crestron. Uh, you guys are not the only ones who do this. From the other side, HVAC systems are starting to do this. Lighting system guys are starting to do this. Security people Secu are doing it. Security people mm -hmm. are doing this. Um, I was sat in a meeting probably about six months to a year ago with a train manufacturer, T-R-A-N-E, not mm -hmm. Choo Choo Train. Um, 
where they were saying, yeah, you know, now we can control lights with this and this, that, and the other. And it was eerily similar to a pitch that I sat through at Infocom at the AMX booth. Um, right. So, and this this can go to Sean or, or anybody else, really. How do we, as AV guys, go, yes, they can, but this is why we're better, or this is why we kind of bring everybody in? Is it maybe it's it's Chris's, you know, we speak more languages than anybody? Oh, it's more than that, Tim. You just just throw an HDMI cable on the table, <laughs> a, a, a Cat Six on the table. You just keep putting them up. We can identify all those cables. That HVAC guy doesn't know nothing but his uh, CFC free on anti whatever. We're the only ones that know this stuff. I mean, granted, they all have their own you know languages, but we interact with all that. The the podcast that we that I was on with you with um, we brought up. The um, oh god, uh, and now it's slipping my mind. But we brought up an a, a, an approved language or something that everybody's now adopting for HVAC, and that's something that other like AMX and Crestron are both working with already today. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think that we we are the only ones. That, uh, Tell me who can do it, Tim. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and, and that was uh, it was it the was plumber. A, yeah, the plumber. Yeah, the plumber can do it. Um, It wasn't a rhetorical question, but it was an honest question because it's a question that your facility guys are going to ask. It's a question that your IT guys are going to ask when either you're not in the room, AV guys, or you are in the room and you need to be able to answer that question. We got to get get past the fact that we we label ourselves AV guys, okay? And when you say AV, there's only audio and video in that word right there. And our... Our roles have expanded. We're doing a lot more than just audio and video. And the downside to us trying to take control of something like that is, why are the TV guys trying to take care of this? Because that's what you're going to get when we leave the room. You know, those guys know no projectors and TVs. Why do they want to control a building? You know, they don't see what we have to do with IT, with HVAC currently. You know, they don't see that interaction. And I think that's sort of the stigma that we get, and that's something we got to get by that's true that you know it comes down to the brand uh that you're that you're that customers are looking at us as and it's really i mean we're technology integrator technology integrators not av integrators but technology integrators and i think the more we can do to promote that brand uh, and and distance away from just audio video is key because that's that's what you're doing is you're t- you're taking all these different one of the I guess when we look at the AV industry compared to IT and billing management systems you know one of the things we've suffered from for you know forever is a lack of standard protocols right that's why guys like us and the guys up in New Jersey exist right um, but because of that the challenges that you as integrators have have uh, ac- you know basically been able to accomplish over the years was bringing these disparate technologies together um, more so than any other industry. Whereas IT has had open standards and they've had really well-defined standards for a very long time, um, and then and building management to some extent also. So I think this industry, again, because of the history, has the optimal skill set to deliver this solution. Yeah. Okay. So enough of the. <laughs> I don't know. Sold. 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 All right. All right. I was going to say, I never said it was a bad idea. I just said somebody's not going to want to pay for it. He has concerns. 
concerns <laughs> is what he has. Uh, it, oh, yeah. Well, and I think we're all in agreement. It is not easy. I mean, there is a, there is a sale that needs to occur. Um, there's value that needs to be shown. A value proposition needs to be delivered, and it needs to come. Uh, uh, it needs to be delivered as a comprehensive solution. Um, so it's it's definitely not going to be an easy road. No, but there's I, definitely opportunity there. And I think it does come down to that those those three nasty words that that guys hate to hear, and that's ROI. You know, the whole return on investment, because sometimes. You know, it's like, what is it? Um, you know, solar panels. Well, there's, a, there's an ROI. It's just, you know, your grandchildren will realize it. So, I don't know. Um, go ahead. And nobody wants to be the guy who walks in and the heating's on in the middle of summer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. So you're 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 gonna get another finger pointed at you. So okay, can anyway. I? Okay, the, the, one last question about this, and we'll move on. That's the other thing. Um, I have worked at institutions before because it has AMX on it, or it has Crestron, or it has Extron on it. The AV guy is the one that gets called. So mm-hmm. whether it's a Lutron, or it's an EDI, or it's a AMX, or whatever, if we start controlling the building, why should the AV guy get the call initially? And that's going to take some doing, is it not? Yes, and I can tell you uh, for a fact um, because, yeah, we typically have the user interface, right? So you're going to see AMX or another competitor brand on there. That's what people see. And so no matter what's going on behind the scenes, that's who they're calling. Mm -hmm. Uh, 70% of our technical support calls have to do with third-party equipment, not AMX equipment. So now we're willing to help, again, because our our customers are integrating all these technologies. So we're there to help solve that problem. But uh, that is a situation. And what it requires is really well-defined interfaces between these between these uh, systems so they can be easily diagnosed to where the issue is. And that's not always an easy thing. No. All right. Now that I asked that question, I'll move on. <laughs> uh, one of our, our AV buddies, John Siaka, wrote an interesting article. I, I do regret not having a female on this podcast, this, this specific one at this moment in time. But, hey, we'll move on. Women are from Venus and men love tech is the name of the of the blog. And... John goes on to write that says, you know, primarily, and he even admits it's probably a sexist generalization, but primarily uh, women's role when it comes to designing and, and uh, getting uh, AV systems up and running is they are the voice of reason. They're the ones that say, do we really need to spend that much or can't we get a smaller one or a cheaper one or this and that and the other? So, gentlemen... Nathan, we'll start with you. <laughs> um, is this a generalization, or is John right? I mean, are is is AV is tech um, more of a the actual gear, more of a guy thing, uh, or is it is it either? Uh, yeah, it's more of a guy thing. I mean, it's hard to ignore what we see every day, right? The kind of people that we work with. Um, so I don't have a I don't I don't know the answer to your question really, but I I do see that play out pretty often at work. Um, you especially it's fun, it's funny sometimes when there's more than one client or the client is a group of people and and uh, the men are kind of like yeah hook all this stuff up and then the women are kind of like how much does that cost and then um, so yeah sure I think I think that's probably true a lot of times and and it is sexist but but it is what we see and you know we kind of work with with the things that we observe and, and take action on them. 
Um, yeah, I wish I had something smarter to say, but oh, I do see that. No, happen. no, that's that's smart enough. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Sean, is this uh, is this a, a generalization by by Mr. Siaka, or is that kind of what you've you've felt where or, or experienced at least uh, in the world of AMX, where the guys are all about the gear and the women are about the interaction and and the aesthetics, but also about the price. So. Um you know, we have we we do have some. Uh, well, we do have several women inside AMX who are very passionate about technology. In fact, we have several engineers that are that are women very passionate about technology. But if I if I pull myself kind of out of that world and just into the general world where we have friends and things like that, and my wife, not so much. They're just not into it, right? Um, I can say that. When I was installing my home theater and putting in the projector and all that kind of stuff, she was like, eh, you know, why are you doing this? And then, but, but then, once, once it's all said and done and you got the surround sound and you got the big screen and all that, she's like, wow, this is pretty cool. Now, would she be interested in, um, you know, participating in with me in a buying decision? If you, no, she just doesn't care about that kind of stuff. And, and typically, women that I come across, and again, definitely not trying to be stereotypical here, um, are just not that as, as much interested in it as men are. And when guys come over to my place, oh my gosh, they're drooling over the all the technology, right? But when the but their wives, girlfriends, they could care less. So, and I don't mean to generalize. And again, we again at AMX, no, but, we have but several I asked, women you, to, I asked you to generalize. <laughs> yeah. So at that, but that. So I, I agree. I agree with Nathan. I mean, I just, I just don't, I just don't see it as much. I think it's, I think it's fine to to make these observations too. I mean, it's just. It helps us uh, think about how we're going to approach different people at work. You know, I mean, um, when we have tech conferences on the events that I work on, it's all men. And then we have uh, marketing conferences, it's almost all women. And when we talk to project managers, a lot of times most of them are women. And I don't know, you can, I think it's, I think it's fine for us to talk about um, how to approach those different situations. Oh, it is, because here's the thing. Like John writes about, he says, you know, the women are worried about the aesthetics, how it looks, how it, you know, some of what, what it sounds like, but also the cost. And so if you understand that going into uh, a selling situation, whether you're selling to Resi or, or for commercial, um, you can tailor your uh, your sales pitch accordingly. So, uh, Aaron, would you like to weigh in on this, or are you going to stay <laughs> stay away from it? I'm not sure I want to weigh in on it, but uh, I, I understand. <laughs> but 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 I have I I, I my managers have been both the uh, males and females, and I've noticed with the females if you if you take off the ooh I need the brand new uh, iPad Mini now type spin and and you clearly explain why you need something or or what you're doing, then they they can identify with it better. Whereas you know I, I might go to Chris or uh, Sean and be like. I need this iPad Mini, and you're like, "Oh, I totally understand. Buy it." You know, there, there's two different wavelengths here. So, so uh, I I think that's probably why they're they're saying, "Well, do you really need this?" Is maybe it just wasn't presented to them properly. Um, and, and I agree with everybody else on the panel that just if if you generalize, you know, women are a little bit less into tech, but you know, men are not into romantic movies as well. Or I mean, there, there's all kinds of generalizations. So. Well, Tim, uh, Tim, I'll make another generalization, then you can see if other people uh, agree with me. Um, I feel like a lot of times making a sale to a woman, I'm trying, or I'm interacting with a female client, I'm trying to take away risk and tell them about how everything's going to go fine and you need X, Y, and Z because that's going to make everything really stable. And so I'm trying to sell them a risk-free environment. Hello? Hello? Just kidding. Um, but if 
I'm, I feel like a lot of times if I'm interacting with a male client, um, or event producer, maybe I might try to sell them on some more risk and be like, Hey, do you want to do something that's going to make you look really cool? Or do you want to be really loud? I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to make it a little bit more exciting. Oh, and I, I think I just do that naturally because I kind of can see it in their eyes that they want like a bigger projector or something. I can understand that. <laughs> Harry, would you like to, <laughs> would you like to weigh in on this or not? <laughs> would you like to stay away? I have so been sitting in the corner on this. All I have to say is look at my own household. I am engineer, CTSD, yada, 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 design engineer. Don, equally into audiovisual, but she's marketing, social media, that sort of thing. I think that's a very common generalization, and I think all you have to do is look around at the Infocom show, and yes, there are more women, but the women that are on the tech level are rarer. Hmm. I, I would agree with that. I think the, the, the engineers and the, and the designers are rarer. They are out there. Absolutely, they're out there. Um, but they are more rare, so... All right, uh, Mr. Netta, would you like to, to weigh in on this? Or are we gonna? Um, I, man, I deal with 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 these. I guess I'm gonna take the other side of it. Um, being on site and doing some on site stuff, I get a variety of who's into what and who's not into anything. I mean, it doesn't make a difference if it's a man or woman when it comes to, when you're talking about a conference room, since maybe it's because it's not personal to them, it's not in their living room. Mm -hmm. They just want, you know, regardless of who, who is mandating an upgrade in a conference room, they want the tables nice and neat and they want the technology hidden and they want it simple and easy to use. And they're to the point in an office environment, they're equal in that sense, um, but if you notice, look at our look at the the industry that we're in, in the in the commercial side, every commercial LCD plasma, up until maybe the last year or two, has been blah. It is black frame, you know, nickel frame around the edge, fat, chunky. Who cares what it looks like? But it's made to operate, you know, twenty four seven for the next thousand years. Yeah. Okay, you go to the residential side, you know, you got some slick chrome, fancy buttons, light that turns on and changes color to set the mood and the orientation. There, I, I think there's definitely a, a difference when you take it from the ha from the, the house to the office. And, you know, only now are we starting to see, couldn't you get a thinner plasma for us or a thinner LED? Couldn't you get that LED? Because you're starting to get a lot more of the, hey, I have it at home. And I keep referring to that because I get hit with that every day. Every day that we upgrade a conference room or do something, it's there's always that one guy or that one lady that will say, you know what? My TV is nicer than the one I got at home. Yeah. You know, it's got a better picture. It looks nicer. Couldn't you get a silver bezel? I mean, like me personally, I'm like, look at your image. Doesn't the image look good? Doesn't it? Isn't it clear? Look! Look how good your Excel spreadsheet looks up there. Now you can eliminate about a hundred different columns. You can probably see it better, but that's besides the point. Maybe you can make your 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 PowerPoint font a little bigger. In the office, it's one. Outside the office, is another. That's my point. It's 
when you when you go into people's living man and into the living space, it's a whole new another ball ball game. And I think that's where John's coming from. From my end of the the spectrum, I see from my work end, I don't see it. They're all just all they're all pretty much flatline when it comes to that. They all want the same thing. And I think you also hit on something that we hit on earlier, where it, it, a lot of times anymore, it is where the residential is influencing. Um, what happens in the office and in the commercial realm. So mm-hmm. whether that is the iPad, the iPad mini, or, you know, how things look and, and interact with each other. So, yeah. all right, gentlemen, that I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you so much for listening to, uh, to AV Week and for being on. Uh, Nathan Lively, he is the pro audio podcaster at Sound Design, uh, Sound Design Live. Uh, how can people get a hold of you, sir? Sounddesignlive.com. All right, very good. Uh, Mr. Sean Robinson, the Vice President of Product Management at AMX. Thank you so much for coming on, sir. Thank you, Tim. It's been great. And how can people get a hold of you, follow you, do whatever, just go to the AMX website, or, or how would you like to, where would you like to point people? So all over the social media space, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube as AMX Talk. So just look up AMX Talk on any of those, and even Pinterest now, so oh, cool. you can get the latest. Was AMX already taken? <laughs> there, you would believe uh, there is a uh, well. There's the AMX, the AMC AMX Javelin car. If you ever search AMX on Google, you will see uh, different things that pop up. So really, yeah, usually it's, yeah the yeah. AMX Javelin car. Okay, I'll check that. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, hey, we've had a lot of uh, new things we brought to the market uh, over the last year and a half. So AMX is uh, lots of lots of great new stuff. If you guys haven't checked us out in a while, please do so. I'd encourage you to do so. So, but AMX talk, ton of stuff out there on YouTube. And, uh, and other channels, so check us out. The sexiest touch panel on the market, period. Thank you very much. And I have friends that work out other places, and I'll still say that. Um, <laughs> Aaron Wilson is the AV Ninja. Thanks so much, sir. How can people get a hold of you? Uh, I don't want to be getting a hold of All right. So. He's an, I'm <laughs> no, sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot. You're a ninja. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, if you, if you search for uh, Aaron Wilson on LinkedIn or Google+, you'll, you'll eventually find me. But at the moment, I'm... Uh, I'm secretly hiding away to not be bothered. <laughs> I understand. All right, Harry Mead, my favorite CTSD. He is the uh, implementation engineer at Ultra Electronics Criticon. Thank you so much, sir. Not a problem. And would you like to give people your Twitter or whatever? Sure. I will give the, uh, I mean, you can look me up by name, Harry Mead on LinkedIn or on Twitter. <sighs> Mr. A.V. Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that just cracks me up. All right, uh, <laughs> it almost it almost uh, salves the wound from you getting your CTSD and me not. Um, <laughs> but not least, <laughs> Chris Neto, he is a consultant with AV Help Desk, and you are more places than than anybody I know. So give people everything if you would, please, sir. LinkedIn, Twitter, you can find me there. Uh, you can find our company website at uh, avhelpdesk.com, and. Uh, when you look for me on Twitter, it's Chris underscore Neto. If you just do Chris Neto, you'll get some Australian singer. You don't want that. That's not me. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's not me. Okay. I'll believe you. And also the red band and, and and the blog and everything. Don't forget that. So I got I got a ton of stuff going on with that sort of stuff. But more importantly, there's some uh, big news coming out from AV Help Desk next uh, next month. So we're, we're we're pretty excited about that. You'll be I'm sure you'll be in the know, Tim, because you are just as equally uh, out there as everybody else. So yeah. please follow Tim. 
Yeah, you should follow me if you'd like. It's on the on on the Twitter. It's it's TD Tim David Albright A L B R A G H T. Uh, but more importantly for me and everybody here at AV Nation, uh, go by the website avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Uh, you can find also find us on Google, on Facebook. Uh, we have a Twitter account, um, avnation.tv. Also on 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 LinkedIn, if you would please. Uh, we have a group on LinkedIn. Join it. Um, talk. You know, there are other people that are on there. Chris is on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, we'll post uh, our not only this podcast but others as well our education show the live uh the live show that we do and, and others the diy um and uh also if you would please come by the website and check out those those uh those podcasts plus um you can also find us a couple other places uh so check out um i already said the facebook didn't i all right i'm gonna start being quiet now so uh thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for listening that's all the time we have for av week Thank you.